Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Jesus told us He was sending His people out as sheep among wolves. That puts us in the midst of a dangerous world, and that, combined with the sin nature we still have, means we constantly need Jesus to restore our souls to spiritual health. This problem is not unique to us. In Psalm 23, David is very much aware of his tendency to wander away from God into a world that is often dangerous for our souls. David also helps us to see that our part is to keep our eyes on Jesus. When we are weak, He makes us strong. When we fall, Jesus picks us up. Here's Pastor Jim in part two of his message, Jesus the Good Shepherd. John 4, 13 and 14, this is Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, meaning in the well, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. He leads me beside still waters. I love her answer. I love it. She goes, where do I get this water? I mean, instead of like, you know, I'm not religious or anything like that. She wants to know, where do I get this living water? John chapter 7, uh, verse 37 through 39, it says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let me stop right there, friend, do you thirst? I don't, I don't mean do you need to get something to drink. Is your, is your soul going kind of like, is it thirsty for God? Does it, does it want some of that living water? Are you like that Samaritan woman and you're like, hey, listen, I, I maybe I'm not the kind of good church person or something like that, but if you're willing to offer that to anyone, you're willing to offer that to her, certainly there must be some for me. Jesus said, he said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Then John gives us some commentary to help us figure it out. He says, but this he spoke concerning the spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him. By the way, if you don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you actually can't go to heaven. It's sort of like having a spacesuit. You need to have a spacesuit to be on the moon. You need the Holy Spirit living in you to go to heaven. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So David points to us when he says here in verse 1 and 2, he points to the all-sufficient shepherd, and Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of that. He cares for the flock all the way on into eternity. And true contentment, David would tell us, many of the great saints of the Bible will tell us, uh, many of you know this, that true contentment and security is, is found in being able to say that Jesus is my shepherd and. Jesus is my shepherd and he leads me. This is what Jesus is for his people. He is the shepherd who leads his sheep. The challenge for you and for me is actually to experience it. And one of the things I see with people who are having trouble experiencing it is they need to 
change their thinking because there's a journey to get to saying he's my shepherd and he leads me. So there's a journey to, to, the, to the my and the me. What is the journey? What is the, what is the quick route to get there? I believe with all my heart, this is it. To realize that God, the great shepherd of heaven, stooped down to be our shepherd in the person of Jesus Christ to be able to call his people his flock. All you need to do is put your trust in the shepherd and begin to follow him. See, it's very important to realize that to be part of the flock, you and I have to willingly put ourselves under the shepherding care of the good shepherd. Let me say that again. Think about, a, think about sheep, think about a shepherd. And so if you and I want to be part of Jesus's flock, we have to be willing to put ourselves under the shepherding care of the good shepherd. Now, I'm just going to take a moment of, of transparent honesty for a second, and please don't think I'm talking about anyone in particular. One of the things I don't like about pastoring, and all my experience is only pastoring in an American church, and, and, and in a busy, outside a busy metropolitan area, is, is that so many of the emails and texts that I get basically come down to this. Can you do this for me? Or can you get somebody to do this for me? But how much more glorious would it be? Stick with me. Don't get upset. How much more glorious would it be? How much more fulfilling and fruitful would it be for all of us? If it was, can you tell me how to come under the pastoral care of Jesus? Like, that's what I want to know. Uh, you know, I, I don't need this sent to me or I don't need this. I don't need you to go look for my, you know, for my pen in the, in the sanctuary or something like that. I, I want to know how can I come under the shepherding care of Jesus? Or how do I come to the place of rest? My soul is just on fire with busyness and unsettledness. How do I come to that place of rest? How do I come to the place to sit quietly before Jesus? And then can you explain to me, how do I follow him when he leads me? How do I do that? Verse three, he says, he restores my soul. Let's just stop right there. Soul really speaks of life and of vitality. Some would translate it, he restores me to health or he, he restores me to salvation. And when, when David writes, he restores my soul, that makes a, a lot of sense in the context of wandering sheep in a very, very dangerous world. For, for a follower of Jesus on life's journey, we're, we're, we're journeying, we're walking through this life. We, we say as, as followers of Jesus, we're pilgrims. Too many settlers in the church. That's a side note, but, but we're pilgrims. We're on our way home. And, and we are, if you will, 
as part of the flock with the shepherd, searching for spiritual food, serving the Lord in daily life and in church life, all the while we find ourselves constantly, I'm going to say it, it's okay, we are battling indwelling sin. It's still there. We're, yes, we're forgiven of our sin, but indwelling sin is still kind of with us. That's why we say if you got to keep your eyes on Jesus, not yourself, because you're feeding, you're feeding righteousness to your soul and you're not feeding unrighteousness to your soul. But sadly, less and less followers of Jesus seem to be searching for spiritual food. The, the, the polling that is done is telling us that less and less people are spending time in the word of God. And people are attending church services when they are going less than they used to. Friends, this is one of my concerns about online church. I think it's a great option for a lot of people who can't get out. I think it's a great option people when you're traveling. I think it's a great option uh, you know, for uh, other different things of people in other lands and stuff like that. But, but I'm afraid that sometimes people then will begin to think, well, I can just watch online church from home. But do you know what that means? It means you're not part of the flock. You're not working together to get to the place where Jesus wants to take the flock. The, the scripture says that we are iron sharpening iron and, and that's not happening and doing so, when that happens, when, when we read our Bibles less, when we're practicing the spiritual disciplines of prayer and church attendance and service and, and generosity, when we're, when we're doing those things less, my fear is that many of us will miss the great promise that is made to us here. He restores my soul. Because eventually, guess what? You'll go, ah, I'm going to watch online church today. I'm going to watch Netflix. I'm going to watch something else. Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What is he saying? He restores my soul. You know, in that book of Philippians, one of the most famous verses in the Bible is Philippians 1, 6, where, where the Lord, the Apostle Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Do you know that you is plural? Do you know it's actually written to a flock, to a local congregation as their souls are being restored? You see, a lot of us right now, we're spent I mean, we're shot out, we're spent. And many of us um, really don't know what to do right now. And David says, he restores us. When our souls are sick, Jesus heals us. I love that about the gospels. Whenever Jesus speaks, man, things happen. And that, let me tell you, that is the best part of being a pastor. When you get to see people come in and they are just a hot mess, they are a wreck, their marriage is falling apart, they're, they're on drugs, they're on alcohol, they're, they're, they're just guy, all they care about is their, you know, their career, they get to the top of wherever they wanted to get and they're like, this is it? 
this is it. I thought it was going to be better when I got here. And they come into the church, and after just really a short time, for some of them, months of just sitting under the word of God and getting into the word of God and getting the word of God into them to see how their souls are being restored and how they are being healed when we repent of our sins, when we, the stuff we know we're doing that's wrong and we turn to God and we beg him for help, Jesus forgives and he cleanses us and he restores us. When we fall, he picks us up. When we're weak, Jesus strengthens us. But what is the most important part of all of that here? Jesus does it. You don't do it. I don't do it. Loved ones, eyes on Jesus. Eyes on Jesus. He does it. He restores my soul. And some of you feel like in this life you've gotten run over. Or some of you are just flat out run down. Or you're just completely worried and wearied. My hope, my prayer for you tonight and for the rest of this year and for the rest of your life is that you learn to enjoy the restoration of Jesus Christ. That when he restores you, you don't have a sense of guilt. You have a sense of joy and a sense of worship that you learn to enjoy. You know, when Jesus calls you to return to him and you come back to his flock John 10, 10, that same chapter, Jesus said about the good shepherd, Jesus said this, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life. Now, generally that means eternal life, but eternal life is eternal. It begins this day. It begins now. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Doesn't that sound wonderful? What did David say? He restores my soul. Verse three continues. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths. Remember we said that's plural of righteousness. We said that the, that the hills, we said last week or, or the, week, the week we did it two weeks ago, that, that, that there was that these hills that they had go, you know, up and down. And what are the paths of righteousness for us? Well, life has many choices. And without the Lord, we are prone to take the wrong path. And a couple of years ago, we did a summer on the, you know, for, into the fall on the Sermon on the Mount. And that sure made it obvious to me that I'm prone to take the wrong path. And why does he lead us in the path of righteousness or the paths of righteousness? For his name's sake. Because that's who he is for his reputation. We often state the fact that Jesus Christ led a perfect life. That means in, in every way and every day, Jesus walked. And in the Bible, walk is how you live in the paths of righteousness. As I've told you before, to me, the most amazing thing about Jesus, most amazing, blows my mind that he lived in perfect 24-7 trust to his heavenly father. I can't even, get, I can't even wrap my arms around that. I'm, I'm so in awe of him in that. And since Jesus always walked that way, he always leads that way. 
Did, did you hear that? Since he always walked in perfection, he always leads in perfection, even if it doesn't seem that way to us. Even if maybe the results are not working for the way you want them to go. We all have plans and we wanted the way things to turn out and it hasn't turned out that way. But loved ones, how often have we looked back and we thought, oh man, I'm glad that didn't work out that way because God had a better plan for me and a better plan for my life. I think of that, you know, I got married a little bit later in life and I think of that every time I was in my late 20s and I think it might not, might be late, might not be late now, but you know, I, I, I remember thinking I had different girlfriends and that I, that I really liked. I dated nice girls, but, but every time I look at Pam and my kids, I think, oh Lord, thank you that, that maybe it didn't seem great at the moment, but you knew the place that you wanted to bring me. For a follower of Jesus, the righteous life is the way home. But often the way home, those paths seem wrong to us. A lot of times it feels like we're going in the wrong direction. You know, one step forward, two steps back. A lot of times it feels like we're not making any progress. A lot of times it feels like nothing in our lives is going right. Why is that? Well, part of it is because we're not looking at the Lord, but I think another part of it is from, I find from, in my own life sometimes, from big decisions, I mean, you know, the really big ones, to just the simple decisions of daily life, the temptation is to think and do what's best for ourselves instead of seeking the Lord for the paths of righteousness. The apostle Peter wrote these words, 1 Peter 2.25, encouraging people in tough times. He said, for you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. What does David do? He says, he does this all, why? For his name's sake. You see, Jesus brings us back to the right path for his name's sake because it guarantees us that his path is right. Let's be honest. Come on, friends, right? Family, we all need guidance. We all need lots of guidance. If we are going to walk, if we are going to live in the paths of righteousness. Now, I've met a, quite a number of people who told me that they are cafeteria Catholics, which means they'll tell me that we, a lot of our outreaches, I've talked to my, some of my own family members, and they say, I, I put my tray on the, in front of the food line and I go down and I tell the person, yeah, I want some of that. No, I don't want any of that. I don't want some of this. I don't want anything of that. But I have to be honest with you. I know a lot of cafeteria Christians, those who wouldn't call themselves Catholics, but, but are the same way. They, they pick and choose. So I'm equally picking on both groups of people. Now, people who read the Bible won't say that they're picking and choosing the path. They'll, they'll, they'll hide behind grace. They'll say it's all about grace. But what they don't realize is when you go out and sin or you pick and choose what you're going to obey, what God says and what he doesn't say, that what you're doing and what I do is we are betraying the leading love of Jesus. We are betraying the way Jesus wants to lead us. And the Bible says that, 
that when we put our trust in Jesus, he gives us a new heart and that heart desires the holiness of Jesus Christ. And that is one of the greatest gifts of salvation. Psalm 68, 19 says, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. Selah, stop, pause, think about that. In the New Testament, we read in Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse 20 and 21, uh, now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the death, from the, from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will. We might say he's leading you to do his will, working in you what is well and pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. Finding our way home is no easy task. Finding our way home to heaven is, is something that is absolutely impossible. So what happens? We need to be led. And Jesus said in John three thirteen, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven. Jesus' favorite name for himself, the son of man. The apostle Peter said, 1 Peter 5, 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. You see, if you follow him in the paths of righteousness, even if it doesn't seem like the right thing to do or the best thing for you, or you don't want to do it, you are working yourself towards a crown. Verse four, I want to read it twice. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let's go slowly. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So things are now turning for the sheep. So what happened to the, to the nice pasture? What happened to the still water? Well, they ate, all the, they ate the field and the, the water's not there and they got to move on. And some of, it says, some of the versions say, not the valley of the shadow of death, but the darkest valley. And so what would happen would be they would go down into these valleys. We talked about that before. And the, and the shepherd would, would lead the sheep because those valleys and would be full of, of thieves and wild animals. And yet he says, I will fear no evil. Why? Why would a sheep in a dark valley where there's thieves and robbers and wild animals, why would, they, why would a sheep fear no evil for you? Who's you? My shepherd are with me. David's saying, I know, Lord, when I'm with you, I'm safe with you. Your rod, we said that, that used to beat off thieves and wild animals. You could say the rod was used to beat off death and your staff, remember we said that the staff was used to keep the sheep on the path and also had that J hook on it that they, if you felt a sheep fell down into a ditch that Jesus could, could take that J hook and he could lift you up and he could save you. The shepherd could lift you up and save you, pull you up from the pit it was also symbolic. A staff was symbolic of, of a king. So he says, your rod, you're, you're beating off death. Your staff, you're keeping me on the path. Your ability to save me because you're my king. And how does he end it? They comfort me. 
Now there's a lot here, and, but perhaps the big point is, and this was the point where I was trying to decide whether I should do one week or two, and this is the big point uh, where, where we come to where, G, where he says, you are with me. One of the greatest aspects of the Christian life. Not only does the Lord Jesus save all who turn to him and put their trust in him from the penalty of their sins, he took them on the cross. He promises to be with you. Now, just imagine there's a flock and we know there's thieves around and we know there's wild animals around. Does the shepherd leave the flock? No, he stays there on the lookout. And in the same way that the shepherd doesn't leave the sheep unattended, Jesus does not leave his own unattended in the journey of this life. That is especially important to remember in the dark valleys. That is especially important to remember that Jesus has not left you. It might seem like he has, but he hasn't. He's promised not to leave you. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Changed by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Changed by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.